Glory be to God. Praise Jesus. Father, we bless you this morning. We give praise and glory and honor to you this morning. As we have assembled ourselves together and you say we're two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Sweet Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you that the, we, as we open up the word in the book of life, that as we break the bread of heaven and we partake, it will nourish us, sustain us, strengthen us. We thank you that the entrance of thy God's word gives light and gives understanding. We thank you, Father God, for utterance this morning by the Holy Ghost. We pray that the will of God will be done this day as you would have it to be said and done in accordance with your will. And we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory for the majestic name of Jesus, our mighty Savior and our mighty Lord. And we thank you for all that you have done and all that you are doing. This morning, we give you praise. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, good morning and welcome. God is good all the time. I say God is good all the time. Y'all agree? Amen. We're, uh, we've been uh, on a journey uh, for a little while and uh, been talking about the kingdom and different facets of it. And if you're looking on the, uh, on the website or if you're following any messages, uh, whether it's uh, by video or by audio, not every one of the, not every one of the messages uh, when you get a title says kingdom, but so that you know that where I'm coming from, I've been speaking on the kingdom since we talked about the sovereignty of God. To me, it's all inclusive. You could, you could title everything, anything you're ever going to preach from here on, on, on to the end about the kingdom, right? Even the book of Revelations, because it all comes under the kingdom, the kingdom of God, which is uh, what Jesus taught and what he preached and what he demonstrated. And he was raised from the dead. He was seen, of, uh, we know, at least 500 people before he ascended. And uh, he preached for 40 days on the, on the kingdom of God, not rules and regulations of church. Amen. So... We're going to uh, continue that way this morning. Uh, it's going to be a little different this morning. Um, uh, maybe it's just different on my side. Uh, I'm kind of used to, in a way, that uh, when I hear things and I see things and how it comes to me, I, I see it a, a certain way. Uh, it could be different. I'm sure it is different with every, everyone who ministers and, and teaches. But uh, I was telling Michelle again this morning, I said, uh, it, used to, it used to be that I, for years... I would just write three or four scriptures down, and then my service came, he just kind of like, he put the meat on the bones. And now it's kind of like more, I'm getting the message uh, all in print. I don't know what the purpose for that is. I mean, I, I got, um, these messages are almost like many books, M-I-N-I -I books. And uh, for the way it's always come to me, so um, it's usually when I'm doing things that require not a whole lot of thinking, like cutting grass. Uh, it used to come to me a lot quicker on a motorcycle. You know, whatever you call uh, pleasure, you know, what, what requires you, you know, some people do it in fishing, some people do it in playing golf. Um, you know, what, whatever you might call a hobby where you're, you know, you're kind of in a relaxed mode. 
Um, and it can be when you're just, you know, just driving or getting ready for work or in the shower or whatever it is, things come to you. And I, I want to say this, that, that uh, things are always coming because the Holy Spirit's always speaking. He's, he's not mute. He's always speaking. I'll give you a, an example. Um, I kind of wrapped up everything yesterday about, I don't know, 2.30, 3 o'clock. And um, would prefer to kind of know the direction on Friday for sure. But Friday I was in a whole different message and I was like, uh, this is awesome, this is wonderful, but I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in a series. And time's tick-tock, 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 time's running out. And I wasn't, I wasn't seeing what, until Saturday, I wasn't seeing what he was saying. He says, he says we're, we're, we're on the same subject. There'll be a point in this message where it'll take a turn. It'll look, it'll, it'll, it could all, if you're discerning, it'll look like we're going in a different direction. Like we've deviated and we're starting another series within a series. And, uh, and I said, well, uh, this is not a message that everyone will receive. And he says, that's none of your concern. He says, he says, your only concern is to, is to deliver what I tell you to. He says, you'll never answer for the other. This could be perhaps one of the most important messages that I've ever ministered. Yet it will come with no shouting, running. I mean, if you feel like shouting, go ahead. But sometimes we need to hear something. And so if, uh, I, I'm going to stick pretty close here because I, I, I don't really want to deviate from what he gave me. And it's, it's written down uh, for that. Uh, so uh, the part that I want to uh, do this morning, I want to go back a little bit because if you haven't been for a couple of services, that's kind of trying on my, on my side because I, I care that everybody gets it. So if we, were, if we were grilling and we've already got the charcoal and we've already soaked it, and we've already put the meat, you know, and we, you know, we, we put it in whatever kind of season we are, you know, whether that's a liquid or a sprinkle, whatever. It's already done. Now we're ready to cook and we're halfway into cooking. And then somebody comes in and uh, but they haven't got the charcoal and they hadn't, <laughs> you know, we're, we're at the place of deciding whether you want it medium rare, rare, you know, uh, well done, how you want it done. And they're looking for charcoal. So. I'd like to just do a little bit of a backup because we're talking about kingdom business. The Lord's very serious about this because we're, we're, we're in the days um, and have been for some time. It's not just this year or last year. It's, it's for, for some time. And God's speaking to people all over the planet. Uh, he's speaking to individuals. He's speaking to business people. When you talk about the kingdom, you're, uh, the other thing is there's, a, there's several different aspects to it. You have kingdom business. You have kingdom finance. And, um, and so these are the things. So I, I kind of, if this was in a series, I would have put this about three weeks from now. But he said, but that's why, that's why I have the Holy Spirit lead you and not you lead him. So we're going to go with that. So I want to remind you this, and we won't go there, but uh, uh, last week we talked about, or three days ago we talked about in Ecclesiastes 8, 4, it says, where the word of a king is, there's what? Does anybody know? 
there's power. Where the word of a king is, there's power. And uh, it says, who may instruct him, what doest thou? Well, no one's going to ask the king, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? And how many know we have a king? And what's our king's name? Jesus. And the Bible says that we are king of kings and lord of lords. So we've been talking about the power of a, of a, of a decree. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll define that in just a moment. But in Job twenty two twenty eight, it says this, You shall also decree a thing, and it will be established for you, and the light will shine upon your ways. You shall decree a thing, and it will be established for you, and the light will shine upon your ways. Uh, let me once again reiterate, we're talking kingdom, but we're talking to kings and priests this morning. We're having a summit meeting. We're having a conference meeting this morning. We're talking about the biggest subjects on the planet. Kingdom. If I was talking to third graders, we would talk about something different. If we were doing preschool, we, we wouldn't be on the subject. If it was second, you know, if it was two-year-olds, you know, we might get out the Play-Doh and the crayons. But this is not crayon time or Play-Doh time. This is kingdom time. So if you'll keep the foundation of the premise of what I'm saying is I'm, is I'm speaking to you um, in, my, in my way of thinking as a king and a priest and your position that you have in the kingdom, in Christ, in Jesus, and what that affords you and what that also uh, remains for our responsibility from our position as we go forward in the different uh, aspects of life that we do. And so uh, we know that when we speak the word of God, which you have understanding of how important is the power of the spoken word, you understand the importance of the voice of God and, the, and what he says always comes to pass. In Psalms 2, 7, he said, I will declare the decree. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me. So the, word, the verb declare means to make known formally, officially, or explicitly. It means to command, ordain, or decide by decree. The noun decree uh, in that verse of Psalms 2-7 refers to a formal and authoritative order, especially one having the force of law. So a decree is further defined as the official statement that something must happen. And so a king has a legal decree uh, to decree and, and decree uh, is, is really just an old English word. Uh, and and what, that, what it really just means is to, for us to legislate. Well, that's something we understand. We think about that in the, in the political realm. But when you're decreeing the word of God, you're, you're legislating from your position of authority. And you know, a king doesn't beg for something. Amen. He doesn't cry for things. Uh, he, uh, the word legislate means this. He institutes, he summons, he settles, and he confirms, and he authorizes. And we gave you an example uh, Wednesday night uh, in Second Kings, uh, where uh, the uh, Gehazi was with the king, and uh, a woman, the woman came in who left her house that that uh, Elisha had said, you know, there's going to be a famine in the land. There's going to be a time where there's not going to be any any rain, any crops. It's time to go somewhere else, and I'll be well with you. She left. She came back seven years later. Someone had her home. They take her home. They take her farm. She went to the king, and uh, just so, just so happens, you know, this was the woman whose son that was raised from the dead by Elisha, and the king was uh, as he was doing, and he was 
You know, he's, he's a judge of the people and for the people. He's hearing their cases. He's making decrees. He's legislating business as a king. And so Gehazi's with him and he says, you know, maybe they're taking a little five minute break. Maybe they're having a Twinkie, I don't know, and a Dr. Pepper. He says, tell me, he says, what's a, he says, tell me a good story. He says, what's, what's the man of God been doing? What's one of the best stories? He started telling about this woman whose son was raised from the dead and told him all the details and the king really got his attention. And while Gehazi was speaking, the woman whose son was raised from the dead came inside the courtroom where the king was. And Gehazi said, he says, he says, my king, he said, that woman, that's the woman I'm talking to you about and her son. And so the king ordered her to come to him. He says, bring, bring this woman, bring this son. I'm thinking, she, I'm thinking, I don't know, I think she jumped line. Because he just got through telling the story. He says, is that story true? She said, it's true, my God. She, or she said, it's true, my king. He said, okay. He says, so you've been gone, what? She said, the whole seven years. And she, he says, and your purpose for today? She says, I come to beseech th th that you would have mercy upon me that I might, you know, have my house and my farm back. And she says, someone has taken, she, you know, or she said, Goldilocks has come and brought her family. And they like all of our beds and they like all of our chairs and everything we had in the pantry. And so, uh, you understand what I'm saying? And so the king appointed someone from the court of law from which he legislates. He says, go with this woman, go to her land. He says, have the people leave her land. He says, uh, he says, and now sit down, do the math. He says, find out what she's lost, you know, for seven years if she'd have stayed here and had crops. He says, add all that together. He said, then add interest on it for seven years. And he says, settle up with this woman today. He didn't say, uh, he, he didn't say, let me go eat with the board of directors. Huh? If, if he was in a church, he'd have to say, well, first, I got to get with the deacons or the demons. I mean, deacons. I got to get with the demons. Deacons, excuse me. Sometimes it's one the same, not always, of course. And, uh, but he had the authority to legislate and, and he had the authority to bring uh, favor upon that woman that she needed in that hour. Well, I'm talking to you as, as, as one who has that authority in this earth. You have the ultimate authority. I think that's part of what we'll answer for. We all have individual assignments, but collectively we kind of have the same assignment, the kingdom. But when we stand before him and answer, of course it won't be for sin. That, that's already been taken care of, right? Y'all know that, right? What will we answer for? Well, the time that you'll answer will, will be at the beam seat or the judgment seat of Christ, however you want to, whatever you want to call it. It's called the reward seat. Judgment seat scares people, but you're not being judged for sin. Jesus bore all your sin. It's paid in full. You will give answer for. You will be asked questions. If I understand the Bible correctly, God will ask questions and he will demand an answer from you. He won't be with you in a group of people. I won't be able to be there by your side. Uh, it'll be you. It'll be him. You see, this is, who you, this is who you are. This is who I made you. This is what I called you. And he'll, and he'll, he'll have all the facts right there. And I think he, he'll, he'll have your book and he'll get it out and say, this is the book of, of Barbara. 
this is why you, this is why you are. You, you, your existence gave me pleasure. This is also what you were called to do. And then he'll, he'll look at our life and see if, 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 if there, there's an image to it. Does it mirror the image that he has in his book? And then we will give answer for that. And then there'll be, there'll, there'll be, uh, there will be um, rewards. And you'll be rewarded eternally for the things that you did that he's called you to do, the things that you did that you blessed people with the right motive. Things that are not, things that are the wrong motive. Well, he said those things are going to burn up like wood, hay, and stubble. Some people that you don't want to stand too close to while they're being judged because you might lose your eyebrows. You might be seeing, you know, whatever. So uh, these things are important. So when I say these to you, I, I take it very serious. I mean, to me, it's very serious. Um, I spent in the last two days about 14 hours on this one message. Kind of wrestling with it. Like, where is this supposed to go? If you wrestled with some 14 hours, and I don't want to use the word wrestle, but you understand. Um, you understand from my side, I'm not just having church. You know, if you saw God and prayed it out and thought, well, that don't fix. I mean, that's just like that, that's another message. And, you know, and then you're and then he got you going in a different direction and you're looking all kind of words and and you're praying that out. Then uh, I, I hope I'm praying that you'll catch the weight of what he's saying. So let me just go on with where we are today. And um, so we want to remember that a king has the legal power to decree. Our title for today is kingdom authority by decree. And, uh, and so when you look up the word decree in the Hebrew, it's the number H1504, Hebrew 1504, uh, Gezar or Gezar. And it literally means to divide, to cut in two, to divide an object into two parts. That's what you do when you're decreeing. It means, it's, so what you're doing, what are you dividing? What are you, uh, what are you cutting in two? Well, you, you could do it this way or that way. You could act or not act. You could mobilize or just uh, say, you know, I'm, I'm not in on it. In other words, when you decree, you've thought about it and you've made the decision ahead of time. You're, you're in the process of making the decision before you give voice to it. Now, the reason that's important is because God made you in his image and his likeness. So, he, so that it doesn't mean that, he, that, that you fix your hair the way he fixes his hair. The way he, it doesn't mean he parts it the way you part it. Likeness means he's made you to function just like him. And you've heard me say it a lot of times. When we're not functioning like him, then what we're actually doing is malfunctioning. So where there is... Uh, power given, where there's authority given, where there's instruction given, then there's also um, responsibility. When, you, when we begin to see who we are and what we really have, not cerebral, but in, our, in, our, in the understanding of the renewed mind from the Spirit, the church will step out and do an amazing thing. Um, I, I really like, if, any, uh, if anyone's been following what... Um, I call him my spiritual father uh, from Wales, uh, Wayne Goss. He's talking about revival. And he says, I don't want a revival. Not asking God for revival. Not praying for revival. Hope, hope, hope we don't get a revival. Now, that sounds strange, don't it? 
he lives in Wales. He lives a few miles away from where Evan Roberts had the, one of the greatest revivals on the planet. Yet there's no evidence in Wales that he was ever there. The activity of Christians is so, so little by this population. So the effect it had was on a few people, well, on 100,000 people in a short time. And everyone from the planet came to Wales to see what God was doing. It had, a, it had an amazing effect on those people, but it was never sustained. But a reformation is different. A revival is, is bringing someone back to where they once was. It's, it's re, it, that's what it is. It revives. Uh, who is revived? Well, the Christian who's lost their way, lost their fire, lost their passion, lost whatever, and they have to be revived. It's not for the world. They never, in other words, this is not good English, but they have to be revived before they can be revived. Hmm. In other words, if you, if you go to Waffle House or, or Cracker Barrel and you're having breakfast and you're having coffee, you have to, get a, you have to buy a coffee to, before you get a refill. Yeah. You can, you, they won't let you go in and say, I'd like to get you know, some ham and eggs and let me have a refill of coffee. Because they don't charge you for the refill, but they charge you the one time. And then if you want to get a couple of refills, whatever, so far they don't charge you for that. Right? Well, you have to be vibed. That's what I'm saying. You have to be vibed before you get revived. So when you're reformed, it's because you've been reborn. Now you're coming into the place of kingdom and understanding who you are in Christ and you begin to function like him. You don't look the way that you used to look. You don't sound the way that you used to sound. You don't make decisions the way you used to make decisions. And listen to this. You don't live the way that you used to live before you were saved. Amen. When you understand these things, sin will lose its appeal. Now, um, thank God for the grace of God. Thank God for the, the message of grace that for the last, especially the last 10 years. I mean, there's people in the body of Christ been teaching the, you know, grace for more years than that, waiting for the rest of the world to come along. But that's not a new message. It's as old as your Bible for sure. You're right. Uh, Martin Luther King knew something about it. And it, and, and it caused a, a revolution for thousands of people to die. When, when he took a piece of paper and a nail and went down to the local church and put in the 95, was it 90 or 95 thesis and nailed it to the door. And it was all that we're saved by and justified by faith, not by works. And who was mad? They talking about they went out yesterday and, and people that they didn't get response from was the believers, the Christians. Well, that's, that's just biblical. I mean, if you just study the Gospels, you know who loved Jesus so much? The sinners. They, they like to be with Jesus all the time. And, and, and they would say, well, if he was really who, who they think he is, he wouldn't be eating with them. He said, of course I would be. He says, in other words, I'm kind of the hospital. They're the sick folks. I came for them, not for you. But actually, you're sicker than them. That's the West, you know, translation. He really twisted the people's minds 
when he pointed to the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, if, if, he said, if, if your righteousness don't exceed theirs, he said, you'll be, tw- you'll be tw- twice the demon, twice the hell that they got in them. You're like, wow. And they're thinking, how do you exceed the righteousness of a priest? Hmm. So it, it, it seems like God thinks different about some things than other people do. It just seems like he does. I think part of what I want to share with you this morning is because we, we're, we are called, we're, we're just a group of people that are called um, I could do this better in tongues. I, I really, I mean, after 30 years, I mean, like this morning, I, I feel very inadequate to try to find the words that, that of what I feel inside. Four or five hours after I put this thing to bed, so to speak, and then kids was over and grandkids and kids playing and baby crying and stuff like that. Uh, TV was on and I was... I had a ball, a basketball game on. I was not really watching it. It was just on. The volume was down. Just all of a sudden, I'm just sitting in my chair. Just all of a sudden, all this noise going on, you know, and just enjoying it and all that. And all of a sudden, I hear this verse. Well, I don't know where it's at, but I know part of the verse. But it's not overwhelming. It's just, it's just I hear it, which I know he's like, you missed a verse that's important. But when it came to me, if I could explain it this way, it was like he joined me back to, to my study from five hours ago. It was like no time had passed. And now I'm all of a sudden like, yeah, and kids and boys wrestling, you know, and they're having a good time like that. And the Lord's just, you know, he, he don't care, just mind going on. He says, well, you need that verse there because, you, you know, you're going to be incomplete without that verse. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so I'm looking, I'm, I'm typing in my phone the part of the verse that I know, and thank God for a smartphone, it, you know. It finds the information needed, and I go get the verse. I mean, how, how can the Lord speak in, a, in chaos like that? He has no problem whatsoever. Right. No problem whatsoever. Now, now, let's put some meat on the bones. Here it is. So the word decree means to divide into, to decide, to give the official command. It reveals that decree, this is the, uh, the Hebrew word, gazar, uh, for decree. To Decree actually starts in your thinking and planning process before it's spoken. This is if you do a little word study on it. It means to come to a decision, to become of one mind, to place in the spirit of mind, or to fix one. Um, in other words, so when I, when I decree, it's not just the speaking part. I'm dividing from what is or what should be from what should not. I'm digesting in my, in my thinking, in my mind, what is the will of God? What is the purpose? What is the plan? Because when a king gives an order, it gets carried out. So it, it needs to be, have its foundation in the will of God, from the plan of God. Therefore, you must operate in the wisdom of God. Now, see, on Friday, he had me in all the wisdom scriptures, and I'm over here trying to talk about decreeing and words and the power of the spoken word, and we understand that. And he's talking all about wisdom. I'm thinking, you're jumping. I'm having a marvelous time, but I kind of would like to get ready for Sunday, too, you know, if you, you please. <laughs> Just like, you know, and uh, I really feel pulled this way, but in my mind, I'm thinking, I need to go back the other way. I'm running out of time. 
and the Lord just having a good time with me doing that. So, so when the king decrees, what, he, what is he doing? He's establishing. He's legislating, talking to you. You're, you're, you're the king. So when you decree something, you're establishing it as law. You're settling the matter. He confirms, he summons, he authorizes, he settles. 1 Peter 2.9 says, we belong to a royal priesthood. A royal speaks of kingly attributes of believers. This is kind of a catch up from Wednesday. And then we looked at Romans 8.19. So the whole universe is waiting in anticipation for the sons and daughters to manifest themselves, to bring back into alignment God's original intent. Remember that? The whole earth is waiting, groaning, waiting for the, the sons and the daughters of God to manifest their glory, to manifest your kingly attributes. The, whole, the, the earth is waiting on you. I hope you catch the weight of that. The earth, not your brother-in-law, the earth is groaning. Not your mother-in-law, the earth is waiting and groaning for you. You, you know why the Antichrist can't come right now? Even if he wants to come, You see, the Antichrist is never known. We don't know the exact day or the hour Jesus is going to come, do we? Jesus said only the Father has that in, in him. In other words, he's saying, I don't know the exact day or the hour, Jesus would say. Now, people would, differ, would you know, preach that all different kind of ways. But I'm just going with what Jesus said. He said, only the Father has that knowledge to himself. So if, if Jesus doesn't know and we don't know, I don't think the devil knows, do you? Because he might pick the, the time that he thinks. So uh, you've heard me say this before. He's always had to have someone ready to take that place as Antichrist. In baseball, I mean, to use that analogy, I said he's always had to have someone, you know, warming up in the bullpen over there and you get ready to go to bat. So if you just think back, you know, in our time of some of the most evil people who, who you know, in rulers or tyrants or whatever you want to call them. I mean, Hitler probably would have been a good antichrist. A, a, a number of them. So he has people all the time ready. So you might, so you might think, well, if he wants to play offense, and well, that's what he does. He does play offense. In other words, I, I don't think he would rather react to what God's going to do. I think he would rather take the lead. Because he took the lead in heaven. He went to the front line and got kicked to the back. Oh, he actually just kicked out. He's not in the line at all anymore, right? So he might say, this is the best thing I'm ever going to get. So I'm going to go ahead and let's just start this thing right now. Then, then God will have to react to me. Then the fight will be on. But, but I'll, I'll initiate the thing. But he can't do any of that. The reason why I can't do any of that is because you're here. Because light, darkness can't overcome light. Satan cannot initiate the process. You, you, you say, well, you know, there's going to be a one world system and one money system. There is, but not while you're here. You're, you're going to see, you're, you're, you're seeing the setting up of the tribulation, but you're seeing it before, which is scriptural. You're seeing these things before his second coming. The first coming is when we come to meet him in the air, right? The second coming is when we come back with him. So Jesus says, here's how you know how close you are when you see the signs of the second coming before, you even come, before I even come get you, you know it's close. 
So when you're seeing, you know, all these things that are setting up to where you have countries like China, and I hope I'll stay on there, but in different places who, are, who have made and mobilized and have uh, robotic, I'll, I'll keep it real simple, robotic soldiers. And they come up with all these things, you know, that can, that can uh, uh, do what man can't do in a flesh and bone body. But then there's a what you might call a DNA of that, of that robot that they would like to take a form of that and they would like to inject into your body. It has a greater purpose to it. But now, now there's nothing to fear because you're here. You're the king. And the more we don't preach about that and we just go to, you know, emotional sermons, then you're going to have weak people with weak minds and weak spirits. But the more that you hear that you are when this stuff comes, you'll say no. You say, I'm not putting up with that. And then you'll go, you'll, you'll go teach someone else. Say, you don't have to put up with that. That's not who you are. We're not, we're not having that. I mean, what would you just think about if you sit in your house, the doors open, and then your neighbor across the street comes across there? I mean, you, I mean, you, you know, you've just, you don't have really met them, but you know, you've seen them, you know, drive three houses down, and they just happen to walk into your house because the doors open, open the refrigerator, get out of soda, uh, you're in the living room, you know, watching your program, and uh, watching Brother Copeland or Andrew Womack, and they say, "I don't want to watch that," and they and they and they turn on Days of Our Lives and sit down, open the can, and he's like, "And you never even met them yet, but you know they live three doors down." What would you be thinking? Are you nuts? What's wrong with you, right? Well, how long would you put up with that? Hmm. Well, it depends on what, how, which one of my snacks they got. <laughs> you know, you touch certain kind of cookies like, uh, so you ain't no child, you ain't no grandchild, uh, not even met you yet. Maybe you're on drugs. Maybe you're, you know, whatever it is, we, we, we might find out something's wrong with them. But after that, you know, we, there's no way we'd put up with it. We should be putting up with a lot of stuff. There's a whole lot of stuff that's just going by and by and by. And, and as, 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 as children of God, sons of God, kingdom agents, glory carriers, we ought to have a no-fly zone. So when the enemy comes fly things around your house and in your mind and, or, or in this nation, then the kingdom stands up and says, no, Amen. not so. It will not go this way. Amen. But we just leave it to someone else and we, do, we just hope the rapture takes place. You know, just to get us out of this thing. The rapture is going to take place. When? We don't know. Are we ready? Yes. But Jesus said he, he would come for a, a church that is, that is occupied. Right? That their faith is in demonstration. In other words, they're, they're doing the works of the kingdom. Amen. And so, and, and so we're ready. And uh, to do that, we have to have his wisdom to do that. Now, um, hmm. so the whole world is waiting for the anticipation of the sons and daughters to manifest themselves to bring this thing back into the original intent. Uh, every word that you speak is pregnant with regal, R-E-G-A-L power, which is creative power. Now, to illustrate that, you could use our, uh, Hebrews 11.3. I looked up in the ESV. It says, By faith we understand that the universe is created by the Word of God, so that which is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now, I'm going to go really quick, but I may, I'm going to go back and hit this several times over and over and over again because 
it was that important. But I, I want you to get this today. So <clears throat> this is him speaking and me writing. Most of this from here on out. We speak with words. We hear with the ear. We hear sounds of words. Words that we hear or speak but are not visible. Even though words are not visible, they are substantive entities that brought tangibility to the universe through the Word of God. You know that from Genesis 1, the creation story. So, so, so we, can, we, we, we can speak with words and we, we hear words, but we can't touch words, right? And we, we can't see it like we see something tangible. But the words that are not visible, they are substantive entities. They have substance to them. They're entities. But those words that you can't see brought, what did they bring? They brought tangibility to the universe through the Word of God. When, when God says, light be. You couldn't see His words, but you saw the effect of His words. You can't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. God spoke out with words what He saw in His mind. He saw in His imagination what He desired about the creation of the universe. The sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, uh, the animals, and humanity itself. He said, I spoke from seemingly nothing, uh, nothingness. It, it seems like I spoke from nothingness. Everything that exists in the physical universe, it seems like he spoke it out of just nothing. It's like he made it out of nothing. But he reminds us that we were created in his image and his likeness. Then given a mandate to, dom to dominate his world to preside over the earth and as a king, as son of God, a daughter of God, I'm giving you the charge and the mandate to protect this planet and to keep this planet. So with that in mind, we need to remember Job 22, 28. It says, you shall decree a thing and the thing that you decree shall become established. You're going to cut away. You're going to divide. You're going to separate from what should be from what shouldn't be. You're going to, in your mind, you're going to make that decision first and then you're going to speak. A king just didn't rattle off 40, 47 different things in front of everybody. He makes a decision. That's what decree means. It means to cut, divide, to separate, to lay aside, and then say, this is it. The, the, uh, I don't have time, but James said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who give to all men what? Liberally. He said, but let him ask in what? Faith. Because a man who's not in faith, he's a waverer. And if you waver, which is the same word for doubting, he said you're double-minded. In other words, you're, you're stuck between two opinions. You have two thought patterns, and you're halt or you're stuck or you won't go either way. You say, they'll say, we need to make a decision. And you'll say, okay, my decision is... Uh, uh, Maybe halt between two opinions. He says, let that man, let that man know in, in that situation, let him know he can't receive anything from me. He's not mad at you. He says, there, there's, there's nothing I can do for you at that point. But when you decree, you're, see, you're, it, it, it's like a court. You're, you're legislating. I, I'm not talking to children this morning. I'm talking to kings. That's, that's exactly how he sees you. And that's exactly how I'm talking to you. This, this is not preschool. So, so what are we going to do from this day forward is we're going to step into our place and we're going to have to make some decisions. We're going to have to, it's, it let you, your yeas are going to have to be your yeas and your nays are going to have to be your nays. And to do that, now listen, to do that, it, may, it, uh, it will cost you something. 
Someone says, what's it going to cost you? You, you want me to tell you the truth? How many of you want the truth or you want to hear something fun? It's going to cost you everything. It costs Jesus everything. If you're going to live in the exceedingly abundantly above, it will cost you everything. But here's the good news. It'll be worth everything. It'll cost you more. Paul said, for what you're dealing and what you're seeing right now, you can't even compare it to the glory that awaits you. He said, on, you know, your, your, your worst day, I always said it this way, my, my best day in the world don't even compare it to my worst day in the ministry. Or your best day, if you had a best day before you was born again, don't compare it to the worst day that you've had since you're a child of God. If you'd, have, if you'd have died the day after your best day without Jesus, you'd be in hell. If you died on your worst day in the kingdom, you're, in, you're a king in the kingdom. You're, you are in paradise forever. You do the math. Now, uh, can, I, can I move on? Y'all got just a... Can y'all take in a little bit more? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay, I'm about to get to the message. Um, okay. So with this in mind, remember what God said in Job twenty two twenty eight: Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established. That's where we're at. This is where it turned on me right here. And I'm like, uh, what are we doing? I'm dictating. Your miracle already exists in the un <clears throat> in the unseen realm, the secret realm. Parentheses. Your miracle already exists in the unseen, the secret realm. Now, I want you to think about two parts. You as the king, but then you, you, you as a kingdom agent conducting kingdom business, so you have responsibility of people. Them going out yesterday saying, I know I got a life, I got things to do, I got things I need to be doing, but we're, go we're, we're going to go out and take the kingdom. I got 10,000 things I could be doing. But we're, we're going to go out and we're going to bring King Jesus to their life. And where we bring King Jesus, everything that's not of his kingdom, it will bow. Now, so this is where it turned on me. Your miracle already exists in the unseen secret realm. All secret things belong to God. But those things revealed belong to man. Proverbs 25, 2 in the NLT says this, It is God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. Wow. I got that same feeling I had yesterday <laughs> when it happened. It is God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. That's the NLT of 25, 2 Proverbs. The message says it this way, same verse. God delights in concealing things. Scientists delight in discovering things. The Amplified version of verse 3 of Proverbs 25, 3 Amplified says this, As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart and mind of kings are unsearchable. The footnote in the Amplified Bible says this, The ancient rabbis explained this is a reference to the countless details of government 
that are a king's res responsibility. See, we're talking about kingdom culture now, is what we're talking about. Every nation, every, 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 every group of government people, they, they have a, there's, a king, there's a king or president that presides, but there's a, there's a culture of that nation, right? E even in the United States, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're supposed to be the United States, but not, all, but not always as we should be. But if you travel from coast to coast, and you know we're in the south, and we have the north, and you know if you go to the west, you know people look. I mean, they, they live life a different way. We're still the United States. If you go to the east coast, there's people live differently. I mean, there's a difference between you know they say whether you're a southerner, or you're a Yankee, or whatever, and there, there's differences. But really, there's not that much difference because people are people everywhere, and people basically have the same need around the planet, and that is to be wanted and loved and needed. I don't care how they talk with their accent. I don't care if they're so southern there's like syrup dripping off a bucket, you know, and they're calling yellow, yeller, or, or, or gown, gown, right? A yeller, gown. Well, it doesn't really matter. Do, do you understand what they're saying? So if we come together in unity for the purpose of God, there's nothing that we can't do together just like in Genesis 11:1, whatever was built on the Tower of Babel. It wasn't God's plan, it wasn't God's purpose, but he wanted you to see that when people come together in one accord for one purpose, all things are possible. It's not good enough just to sing verses and clap and say, woo-hoo-hoo, go and do nothing about it. We've had years of that. Sometimes I think it's a curse to have words because sometimes you can just stand up and read words off a screen and that's not worship. Worship is not reading words off a screen. If, if, if your heart's not engaged, there, there's not really worship happening. It's just music being, you know, whether it's live music or whether it's, you know, this way. So the heart has to be engaged. Now watch here. So the footnote, yeah, he says, so these are the countless details of government that are king's responsibility. Proverbs 29, 29 says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. So there's some things that have been kept secret and there are things that God still keeps secret. There's things we just don't know. Now you might say, well, we know all things. No, you don't. Well, give me the answer. Well, the, potentially I could know them. Okay. But today you don't know all things. Well, do you know when the rapture is going to take place? Well, then you don't know all things. D do you know who God's parents are? You say, well, he didn't have any. Well, he probably, I don't guess he did. He didn't say he did. How, how long has he been here? How long has God been around? How do you do that? Do you understand that? So sometimes when your prayer is not answered or it doesn't happen the way that you are asking him to, it's because you, we have very limited understanding about some things. We, we don't understand sometimes all the people and the places around us and the timing and all the things. Like the air traffic controller, you know, in a, in a city like Houston or Atlanta, there's more than three planes coming and going. And somebody needs to understand who all's in there when they're saying take off and come in. And, and God's, God's wisdom far surpasses Houston's air traffic control. Or do you hope so? Yeah. 
so he understands all parts. It's not that he's saying no to you. If it is weight, it's saying, if I, if, I, if I let you pull the trigger and go now, you'll be dead in three days. So in his wisdom and love for you, he says, you're hearing me right, but, you want, but it's, not, it's not go right now. Or sometimes he said go, and, and he's, trying to, he's, he's trying to kick, but we're, but we're waiting for 14 more signs. Now, this, this gets a little deeper. Can I go just a little bit deeper? Y'all okay? Solomon put it this way in Ecclesiastes 1, 3. And, you know, when, when Sol Solomon was told God he could ask him for anything, God would grant it, right? And what did he ask for? He asked for wisdom. So King Solomon, he knows he's going to have to judge the people and he's going to have to make laws and rules and regulations, hear cases and all that. He said, G give me a heart of wisdom that I might have the ability to know how to rule your people effectively. And it's so, it's so pleased God. He says, you know, you, you could ask me for your enemy's hand you, to, to kill the, the kings around you, to possess your land. You could ask me for great wealth and you didn't ask me for any of that. And you asked me for my wisdom, which really touched the heart. When you go, he said, may I, may I have your wisdom that I might be a good king and a judge for the people, that I might be able to discern the truth. Now Solomon got off in his latter days, didn't he? A man who's supposed to have so much wisdom doesn't need, what, 800 wives. Don't need two. And, and he got way off when he's thinking of Mary for beauty. And probably physical, physical things. He, he had children. He, there's no way he can remember all of them know their names. And these were, a lot of these were pagan women who worshipped other gods. And he didn't stop the mess and he got himself in trouble. At the end, his life was a train wreck. But look, look at some of the wisdom that, that was revealed out of his mouth. And he, had, he was the wealthiest man on the planet. And he never asked God for a dollar. He asked him for wisdom. But if you understand wisdom, you can't get wisdom without wealth. Wisdom never shows up at your house broke. If wisdom comes, stays at your house, you're in good shape. You don't need to go buy groceries before wisdom gets there. If wisdom wants to come and stay at your house for a little while, let it have its way because it's going to remodel the way that it's used to if you let it. And your house will have a major upgrade while wisdom is staying with you. <laughs> you may have to take up the, you know, the, the carpeting. You may have to take up the wood and you know, put down pure gold. I don't know. That's how God wants his house. I mean, God, has, God likes gold. He likes the transparent gold to walk on. He, he likes it. You know, we get a little you know, piece of here and a watch or a little diamond thing. Whatever. God walks on the stuff. We use concrete and gravel and whatever, and horses. We don't. We don't really build with that kind of stuff here. Can you imagine what's going to look like when you just walk through the gate? One solid pearl. In the dimensions of heaven, fifteen hundred by fifteen hundred by fifteen hundred. I mean, it's like stories and stories and stories and stories. God had to decree before He could decree. He had to decide. He had to cut. He had to. He had to cut in two. He had to say, I, I will have what I say. So what do I want to say? Because when I say it, this is what happens. 
And then he said, let us make them, let us make them just like us. That's why he said, then he says, when you decide and decree a matter, he says, then it's established. Then it gets legislated. You say, well, why hasn't it happened for me? I'm going to give you that answer in just a second. Here it is. So Solomon said, I set my heart to seek and investigate with wisdom. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know the translation I used. I didn't put it down. Ecclesiastes 1.13, he said, I set my heart to seek and to investigate with wisdom everything that is done under heaven. It is a burdensome task, Solomon said, that God has given to the sons of men by which they may be occupied. Now, for sake of time, let me just keep going if I can uh, without comment. In Job 33, 12, the B, the B part of verse 12 through 18 in the NLT says this. So Job has, you know, had a lot of trouble and his friends are like, yeah, da, 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 da. you know, I know you must have sinned or God's this or whatever and God... You know, he ain't coming through for you, and I don't even think he hears you. And this is what Job said, even in all his calamity, never even understanding why things were happening to him, he never would turn from God. Even though his wife said, won't you just curse him and die? He says, you're a fool. But in Job 33, 12, verse B, NLT, it says, for God is greater than any human being. So why are you bringing a charge against him? Did y'all get, get up there? So why, yeah, there you go. why are you bringing a charge against him? Why say he does not respond to people's complaints? Hmm. Verse, next verse 14. For God speaks again and again, through pe though people do not recognize it. Verse 15. He speaks in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. He whispers in their ears and terrifies them with warnings. He, wake, he makes them turn from doing wrong he keeps them from the grave from crossing over the river of death. And you wonder if God's trying to talk to you or get, or get a point across to you. He said, if I had to, I'll just wait till they're asleep. I'll give them dreams, visions, things that might even terrify them, scare them. Always go back the other way. I don't want you to die. I want you to live. I want you to live out the plan for your life. But it can't violate the human will. For we know in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. So Job says this, God opens up the mind. This is a paraphrase of what we read. God opens up the mind of men and women, and he speaks and inspires their thoughts and their dreams while they sleep. To endeavor to prevent man from pursuing his own limited way so he will pursue the exceedingly abundantly all we can ask or think life that he's planned for you. He wants to mature us in wisdom, equip us to live in his grace, his authority, his dominion, his supernatural ability. So I tell you that your miracle already exists, but, it, it's, it, but it's your responsibility to see it and to summons it, to decree it and legislate it, thereby establishing its existence into the physical realm. And then it took another turn for me, and I put prophetic in receiving, 223 at home. That's Friday, right? 
just as prophetic as it came to me in nature. The answers that you seek of me are not answers unknown to your understanding. For some, they are known for some of you today. The answers that you seek of me are known to your mind through the training, the teaching, the preaching, and the instruction of the word that you've heard. Yet, for some, they've never been established in your heart. In other words, you know, they said, you know, God doesn't hear. And Job says, oh, he hears. If he has to speak to you in the night and visions, dream, he has to terrify you to turn the other way so that you don't cross that river of death. So then he's talking to me. He says, the answers that you're seeking to me, they're not unknown to you, to your understanding. For, for, for some, they're known to their mind through the teaching, the preaching, the instruction of the word, but they never established these truths in their heart. So therefore, some remain unfruitful while others may have increased 30, 60, or 100-fold. But tell me of this question I ask of you. Who was it Jesus wasn't willing to heal? Do you have a name for me? Who did he deny? Who came to him? Do you have a name that he refused? Has my son changed? Is he the same? Has my son taken a new position? and not inform me. My people pray or confess my word at the desire at the end of the matter, which I refer to as the fruit. But without seed and time of my word, there is no fruit. With the refusal of planting the seed, even though your belief in my word, when you refuse to plant the seed, into your heart and where you refuse to renew your mind, you are rejecting the principle of seed and soil, the process by which my kingdom is operational, so they have little or no harvest at all. If you're not satisfied with the fruit in your life, check to see what you're rooted in. Start at the root, it's the foundation. Every durable life, home, marriage, business has secured a proper foundation. Scriptures given at this time. Oh, I'm sorry, that's my note. This is the, then he said, get your Bible. I ran got to the Bible. I'm in Proverbs chapter 8, uh, verses 6 through 21, the King James. Proverbs 8, 6 through 21, almost through. <clears throat> Here, uh, um, the word of a king is what? Power. We have a king whose name is what? And we are the king of kings. Who am I talking to today? Kings. So the king is having a summit meeting with you right here. So, 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 so listen to the heart of the king. This is the one who wants everything for you. You, you love your family and your children. Um, you are his children. He wants more for you than, you than you'll ever want for yourself. But this is how it works. He, he wants you to get this and understand it. I said, Lord, you know many don't. He says, he says that's, not your, that's not your axe to grind, son. I said, well, it's kind of sad. It's even the one that I've seen that I've... He, he says, you see that in pastoring because you see a certain group of people over and over again. And you, it brings sorrow when you see that they go their own way. He says, but you don't know the sorrow or the grief that it causes me. He says, but I don't bear that. He says, but you don't bear that responsibility. He said, now read him the verses. So here they are. 
Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There's nothing forward or perverse in them. They're all plain to him that understandeth, and right to them that findeth knowledge. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. Or he says, receive my instructions, are not silver and knowledge rather than gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I found out knowledge of witty inventions. Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You have to, you, you have to actually hate what God hates. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. I think that was, uh, I think that would be a better, been translated not I have strength, but I am strength. But anyway, I will leave that alone. Verse 15, by me, kings reign. Now, I want you to see why he's talking to me. See, I'm thinking he's taking me to a whole different subject. Like, you know, I mean, like, are you trying to give me a series beyond this one? Can I just, you know, think about this right now? He says, watch here. By me, kings reign and princes, what? They, they decree. They decree. By me, princesses rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me and durable riches of righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Michelle was talking about treasures. Remember? Now let me give you a verse in Proverbs. This is from the Passion Translation. Proverbs 2, verses 10 and 11. This is quite a day for me. You know, to hear verses and chapters and don't know what they are until I get there. I mean, I've had it happen several times, but it's just when, you're, when you get it that way, you're, you're like, okay, <laughs> let's get over and see if it's actually on the subject. Well, it was. And, and then, you know, and it, it, it's funny that the Lord knows there's a Passion Translation. It's not as old as the Lord. You hear Proverbs two ten. He says, you know, he says, look, look at this one in, in the Passion Translation. And I went over and said, Shazam! Watch here. When wisdom wins your heart, when wisdom wins your heart, revelation breaks in. True pleasure enters your soul. See, the scripture says that that sin has a has a natural pleasure for a time, but the end of it is what? Not life, it's what? Death. But, but when you get hold of the heart of the king, you get hold of always wisdom. And when you get hold of the wisdom and you're, you're in that kind of intimate relationship, then, it's, then it, it, it breaks in. And it far, it's far superior to anything that's, that tugs on your flesh here. So he's saying when wisdom breaks, when, when it wins your heart, I love the way that was put. I mean, it, 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 can you see, uh, it, it's intimate what he's saying. 
when, when, when he, wisdom is a person. Wisdom here is, is, is Christ himself. He is wisdom. When, when Jesus wins your heart and revelation breaks in, then true pleasure will enter your soul. Verse 11, if you choose to follow good counsel and the, huh, wow, if you choose to follow good counsel, divine design, divine design will watch over you and understanding will protect you from making poor choices. That's worth coming for. And then I, I put my pen up and I said I was through. Then a few hours later, he gave me this right here. Proverbs 20, verse 5, in the, Amplif the AMPC, Amplified Classic, says, Counsel in the heart of man is like water in a deep well, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Which is where many people who hear this message, it'll just be a message. Because it has to be drawn out. Counsel, other translations say purpose. The counsel or God's purpose or the purpose in your heart of man is like water is to a deep well. You can have it. But you can't enjoy it until you draw it out. Proverbs 18.4 says, Wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. Four verses, we'll be through this one. Uh, I'm going to read from Proverbs. This is the Passion Translation. Um, uh, I'm just going to read them. Proverbs 9, uh, verses 8 through 11. He says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate you. If you rebuke a wise man, he'll love you. Hmm. Give instruction to a wise man, and he'll be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Verse 10. Here it is again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Where does wisdom begin? At the awe, the respect, and the love of the Lord, called the fear of the Lord. When you've come to that place, he says, now wisdom can begin. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me, your days will be multiplied and your years of your life shall be increased. Amen. Appreciate y'all coming to the summit meeting this morning. <laughs> Where we grow and increase. You know, we're being renewed, transformed, shedding that cocoon. No more little slug. Getting on some beautiful wings as a butterfly. What a beautiful transformation takes place. So you have at your disposal at any time you have the wisdom of God. You say, well, I go down to my local library. Well, that's okay. That, that has benefits to it. But you have the knowledge and the wisdom of God available to you anytime. Someone is a scorner, he said. And you, you instruct them, they'll let you have it. He said, but a man of wisdom, when you reprove him or say this is wrong, he opens both ears and says, tell me what's right. Then he says, I'll change my ways from this day forward. 
And that reminds me of what Jesus said, the difference between them. He said, a wise man and a fool. He says, because a storm is coming. Jesus said, a wise man will take my words and hear them and act upon them. He said, a fool will hear them and say, I'm not doing that. And he'll go build his life on the sand. But Jesus said, the storm's still coming. And it's coming to both of them. When it hits the man who properly built his house on a foundation, the storm <laughs> hits his house but can't shake it. Then it goes, talks to the man, talks to the storm comes to the other man, you know, equal employer. And he goes to the other house and finds it built upon what sand and what he thought, what he did, and the structures he wouldn't follow. He said, and the ruin of that house is great. What should we learn from that? Don't be an idiot. A, a wise man will take the instruction. He won't get in pride. He won't say, you shouldn't talk to me like that. If, if I follow the things that the Bible talks about when, when, when Paul told Timothy to, you know, to, to, to counsel, to teach, to preach, to let your life teach and preach, he says, but when they're wrong, he says, show them where they're wrong. Teach them. If you read King James, it says, rebuke them. Do it in love. A spoonful of medicine makes the, I mean, a spoonful of sugar, yeah, makes the medicine go down, right? Do, do it in love. But we, we, should, we should welcome correction. He, Hebrews said the, fa the father, if, if he doesn't discipline you, well, you, know what the, you, you know what the word for it is. You're not even as a child. But he said he, he instructs and he corrects and he disciplines those he, he loves. Why do you prune plants or trees? So that they may bear forth what? More fruit. That's what we learned out of, out, of, out of John 15. That he's the vine and we're the branch. What's the purpose? To have fruit. Fruit that remains and to increase. Then it says, then if you ever look at it, it says fruit. Then it says more fruit. And it says more fruit. In other words, God's always about increase. But to have increase, then you're going to have to cut away what doesn't need to be, which is a decree and saying, if I leave you here, I mean, look, if it looks like you're going to have something on you too, and that's going to have something too, so it looks like I'll just leave all this. But when I understand the laws and how God made you, if I leave you the way that you are and I just let all this go and hang out, we're not going to have more, actually going to have less, so I'm going to decree to cut you. You lay that to the side, you cut it asunder, so that what you leave now has the energy and the life and it fulfills its purpose, and you have greater harvest with less than you do with more. It doesn't make sense in the mind. Well, you can't do that and prosper. You can't work here and prosper. You, you, you can't do there. You can't retire until you're 104 years old. Oh, okay. Well, you can put your math up and your calculators up because my wisdom doesn't come from this world, and this world doesn't pay me. And I don't get a check from the kingdom of darkness. So, so do you play the market? Someone says, do you invest in the market? I absolutely do. There's nothing wrong with investing in the market. But the, main, the major market that I invest in is the kingdom. You say, what does it pay? Whatever you need and more. It's not based on whether the, you know, the stocks are up or down or there's been a, you know, if there's a, a time, you know, where there's a, a setback or there's a recession going on. There, heaven has never had a recession. Remember the thing about what do you do in crisis? Remember, heaven's never been in crisis. 
It had a little hiccup, you know, when Satan tried to exalt Stonebeat, but he dealt with that quick, real quick. He says, I'm going to exalt. No, you're not. <laughs> Gone. Whatever. Next chapter. <laughs> Heaven's never been in crisis, which means the kingdom of God's never been in crisis. So when you're telling me you're in crisis, then you left the kingdom thinking. You, you, you forgot who you're joined to. He's the vine and you're the branch. If you're joined to him, you can't be a mess. Well, I'm just, you know, depressed right now. Well, join back up and then join back up. See, now you need to be revived. That's why we have these revivals. And I, I'm thankful for the revivals. I'm thankful for whatever happened to all the colleges. I'm, thank, I'm thankful for that. But I want to know what's it going to look like a year from now, five years from now. I mean, Wales had such a revival, you know, with Evan Roberts there. I mean, you, 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 had, you had less than a year, you had 100,000 people and everything that was entertainment shut down. No one wanted to play sports. No one, I mean, seriously, just, if you ever, I, I've been kind of a student for revival for a while, but they quit playing ball. No one was interested. The theaters went up and no one was going to the movies. All they wanted to do was be in church. From, from every age, they just wanted to be in church. You had all the miners that was working there, you know, that was rude and crude and was cussing the, the, the mules or the donkeys that's, that's pulling the coal out. And then they got saved and that's all the donkey. That, that's his command. He just knows what, you know, it means. That, that's his word for go, giddy up. But now he's a born again man. He can't say you son of, uh, of uh, bubble gum. So <laughs> donkey just sits there. He said, giddy up. He don't giddy up don't mean nothing. You got to cuss him. They had to get new mules. It's amazing what happened in less than a year. A bunch of people got hungry and prayed. You can't find, a, you can't find evidence of it nowhere in Wales. Zero. That the Christian population went, <laughs> went, went from the whole city to less than 5% of the people that even says, you know, we, we believe in Christianity. How's that happen? Because there wasn't a reformation. See, when you're reborn, when you're reborn, you should be reformed. You shouldn't need to be revived all the time. Do we have them? Yeah. Do we need them? Yeah. Do we have hospitals? Yeah. Well, thank God we have hospitals to help us when we need us. But would you want to live in one? Would you rather be healthy and not need the hospital? Right? Thank God they can help us when we need help. But would you want to have surgery every day for the rest of your life? I mean, I, not every day. Can we, can we get a day off? You know. Red Rover, Red Rover, said Mr. Scalfer right over. <laughs> Zorro is back. No, thank God we have the help if we need help. But that's not where we're supposed to live. Hallelujah. Well, I bless you this morning. Because he's blessed you. And I just speak the, the, the blessing of God upon you right now in Jesus' name. You say, well, what is that going to do us? Well, it's probably the most, it's, um, probably the most weightiest words that you can speak over someone if you understand what you're, what you're saying. I don't mean like, Achoo! oh, God bless you. Achoo! And again, that's not what we're talking about, God bless you. We're talking about the weight and the splendor and the glory and the wealth of everything that glory is, is in the blessing of the Lord. It's funny how the old covenant people knew that. They knew that at the end of their life, they would call their sons 
and they would bless them before they go because they knew that their words would legislate their life. Amen. So they jived and connived, and you know some of the stories about who would get the blessing and try to, you know, even manipulate their father because his words would do it. They knew that. They knew his, they knew his words would do it. Wow. How far did we get off that we think God bless you is just what you do after someone sneezes? That when someone says, when I bless you, I decree it. This could have been said, but I, I won't say it because no weapon formed against you shall prosper and no weapon is going to come out of my mouth. I'm going to speak only that which is good and not evil, blessing and increase. Out of, the, out of your mouth, you know, it should not be good water and bitter water. It should not be. So I'm just going to make it good water. Amen. I declare you healed in Jesus' name. Top of your head, the soles of your feet. Blessed you and your family all the days of your life. That you'll walk in the goodness of God and the fullness of God. And you'll walk in the full assignment of your life. And you'll never know fear. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. That you have the unction of the Holy One in you. That you know all things. That He never leaves you, never fails you, never forsakes you. That you'll wake up every day and the Word of God will speak with you and talk with you. And the Word that you have meditated upon and you have placed in your heart over and over and over again now has become established. And now God has established you. And since He established you, when you wake up, the Word that you have meditated on, according to Proverbs 6, says now it will talk. Now that Word will, that you have been talking to, Proverbs 6, now that Word will talk to you. And in that Word will be His wisdom and will be His guidance, for He is the guidance of your life. For all wisdom speaks and declares and decrees over your life. And for all those who will listen, wisdom cries out in the streets and says, he's, the wisdom cries out and says, receive my instruction. Receive my counsel. Counsel is mine. Wisdom is mine. Understanding is mine. If you would just receive it. And the Lord's elevating. He's bringing increase and promotion. But change is in the order. So don't refuse to change and to make, to make changes when he, when he says, come here, go here, do this, do that. Because it's in the plan of God and the purpose of God that would bring the increase not only to you, but those around you. For you're a bright light. You're the city on the hill that you shine. You are my witness. You are my testimony. You are my life. Where I send you is where I would send my son. Now you should go for him. You should be his hand. You should be his feet. You should be all the things that Jesus was on the earth. You will be the Christ on the earth. You will be what we call Jesus with skin on. When they see you, they're seeing him. When you talk, you're talking for him. What you decree, what you declare, it shall be established. Whatever you bind shall be bound. Whatever you loose shall be loosed. And I will watch over my word to perform it. And that one word that I speak from your mouth will fall to the ground. But I will cause your words to accomplish what they should accomplish as my words accomplish what I send them to do. Thus saith the Lord. Amen.